Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. When will I, will I beat Seamus for the great to good <laughs> rope kick to the fix? <laughs> Welcome everybody to a special episode of Saturday Draft Live. And I know what you're thinking. This isn't a Saturday. Why am I hearing the lovely voices of the SEO boys? Because we've got all this fallout from Survivor Series and the most tightly contested draft season we've had so far that this takes precedence over anything. So, not only is, is, is Saturday Live the best show on the main feed, but for this week, your feature show this week is the Season 6 Fallout show. We're going to talk about everything that happened at Survivor Series. Who's won the season? Who scored the most? Who had the best finish for Survivor Series? We're going to look at some potential, potential big picks that could happen in Season 7 ahead of our selection show, which will happen later this week. I am Scott McLeod, a former uh, our champion, former draft winner. But most importantly of all, I'm not getting relegated. Get it up here, David Campbell. Thank you. Small victories, people. Small victories. We'll talk a bit more about that later on. But I'm not the only one with cause for celebration tonight. Because, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce after the draw and this new team concept we decided to do for Survivor Seas. Please welcome one half of your co- Eat, sleep, suplex, retreat, champions of the world, Mr. David Hockney. Thank you very much, Scott McLeod. That makes reign number eight for me now, and I'm absolutely over the moon about it. Yes, you and Daniel Campbell uh, pulled out the win, uh, both scoring eight points apiece with a combined score of 16, beating out Ross mm-hmm. and Derek Kernan, who got 15 points, but... Uh, very well on you, and you, you and Daniel Campbell go into a special sweepstake at uh, TLC to crown the undisputed ESSR champion. Uh, I do wish you the best of luck, David. But David, if by some miracle you don't win at TLC, there's no reason to be all doom and gloom because eventually the ESSR title will come back to Saturday Night Live because somebody here has a very special opportunity. And that person would be your new draft champion, the Ayrshire boyhood dream has come true for Jack Graham. Yes, I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. You, you can't see on now because we don't have any cameras on, but I am currently cutting shapes and dancing to my heart content as I am the season six winner of the ESSR draft, and quite rightly so, to be honest, I've been in about it since day one of the season six taking place, and look where I am now, top of the food chain, cream of the crop, the best. Hey, hey, look, look at it. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought it? Most certainly me, a bunch of pricks. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted, as I said before, I wanted us to be a show of champions, and now I can say officially, all three of us have been. Yes, is our draft champion, and with David Campbell's win in season one, that means now every person who has been a host of Saturday Draft Live has been a draft winner as well. It seems it's a requirement to host this show, so well done, Jack. Uh, I was hopeful for you in season five, it didn't quite work out, 
but you know you had a hell of a season. Yeah, I had to give you some tough love a while back, but you see, it's it's, it's helped you. You shot up from there. I mean, that's I, I, I season five. I had a bright team on paper, but you know we all we were all affected by the COVID costs, and that maybe hampered some plans and some injuries for Jack as well. It was unfortunate, but that season, I drafted smart and I drafted well, and it's proved dividends in the. The incompetence of others has ultimately got me my victory, but I couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, and like it was, it was so tight between you and Daniel Campbell. It looked like it was coming down to Drew McIntyre versus Roman Reigns, which was the the final match of Survivor Series. Technically, the Undertaker thing was the main event, but in terms of matches, this was the main event. And I think we talked about it in a little our preview show on Saturday that it couldn't be a, a more perfect finish if we tried. Like the the result of the draft coming down to the final match of the season between Roman and Drew. I'll say, Jack, you had Drew on your team. You're hoping for a Drew win. Drew didn't win, and we all thought, let's assume that if Drew lost, that would be it. But somehow you managed to hold on to say that score by one point. That a win is a win. But with Roman's win, it is a strong like finish for for Ryan Gallagher and Roman. Got 19 points. Uh, overall this week, but mostly from mostly from uh, Survivor Series, which actually David moves Roman Reigns up to number one in the season overall, uh, 112 points. Roman Reigns, the top uh, draft pick of his like first season back. Yeah, absolutely. I think Roman Reigns was also the number one singles pick selected this season, so he now sits not only at the top of the table, but. Uh, well, top of our table, but uh, also the head of his own table in the family. So it's, uh, I think he's taking his uh, his right place here. I mean, he's been sort of uh, mingling around the sort of middle of the table for some time now, but this dominant performance at Survivor Series uh, has really hammered it home for him. And he, once again, he takes the position as top scorer of season. He was also the top scorer in season three as well. So a very, very smart pick from Ryan Gallagher to pick him first. Uh, and now Roman Reigns is once again your top scorer for season six. Yeah, and I think it goes back to what I said on Saturday, that I think over the next couple of seasons, especially next season, whoever gets that number one pick, you'd like you'd be a fool not to pick uh, Roman Reigns. Uh, I will also say that the other two like highest scores, like, when they, I know we don't do in the top three usually, but I don't want to say Keith Lee uh, came out with 22 points after like, an expressive showing at Survivor Series and also supposed captain of Team Raw, AJ Styles now has 24 points, uh, both now on the top table, 78 points overall for Keith Lee this season, 80 points overall for AJ Styles. Uh, and yeah, is it surprising that Roman's kind of suddenly come out ahead number one of the season? Because like we talked about before going on air that Hurt Business and Asuka have been kind of the top two uh, this season, at least over the last month or so. And now Asuka, after that loss, actually dropped down to third overall this season. See, to be honest, I'm not actually that surprised that Roman ended up in the top of the table. When you we we speculated at the start that maybe maybe he wouldn't get as much points as what we think because he wouldn't be wrestling as much, but they certainly countered that by putting him in with as many appearances as possible on SmackDown, and they even had him appear a lot during a pay per view. And you know for a fact that Roman's not losing a pay per view to potentially Mania, so it was kind of getting near that point, especially with this. Bloodline J.U. So feud that came about, he was digging for gold and he was getting at a plenty, Ryan. Yeah, the top 10 of the season, kind of overall, uh, number 10 with 66 points, 
uh, Seth Rollins, <laughs> uh, with 68 points, FTR, uh, Keith Lee, 78 points, I said, and then AJ Styles at 80. 83 points is Randy Orton, and uh, fifth, uh, John Moxley uh, is got uh, 94 points, then you've got Drew Manter, 98 point, 98 and a half points, 109 points is Asuka, the Heart Business, 110 points, and 112 points for Owens, as I said. I think it's fair to say uh, what my main takeaway from that is the Heart Business, both like either combination, whether it be MVP and Lastly or Shelton mm. and Cedric, I think both like combinations of the Heart Business, I think, uh, are like hot commodities going into the tag team selection of uh, next season. Yeah, no two ways about it. Like Gary played an absolute blinder by picking the heart business because not only are they the second highest uh, scoring performer this season, they're also the highest scoring newcomer uh, team to this season. And so I think it just goes to show you know the heart business will definitely be valuable commodities in future seasons. Uh, but just a quick fact about the the top ten overall: two of the top ten were tag teams, heart business and FTR. Everybody else was either a first or second round draft pick. So fair play to everybody, you know, for picking smart in the first uh, two selection rounds. The only round two picks were AJ Styles and Keith Lee. So this uh, this this uh, the selection process, people know what they're doing and know who they want. I think one pick we can't really knock as well here is uh, Daniel's picker, John Moxley. Hey, this is mm-hmm. something we all kind of laughed at begin with. We all thought the the, the title was going to change trail. Well, certainly, I did because that's the reason why I drafted MJF. I thought it was an absolute certainty he was going to win that AEW World Heavyweight Championship. But then Daniel even went bold and put the cab say on him, uh, kept on him for the full season, and clearly it proved dividends to get him to the position where he ended up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what a turnaround for for Daniel as well, because everybody we all assumed that Moxley would drop the title to MJF, but then he just kept going and going. He defeated Lance Archer. D- Defeated Eddie Kingston amongst others, and you know he just kept racking up points for Daniel. So definitely a a very good pick uh, in hindsight. Yeah, I think Moxley is the same as as Roman Reigns in that they appear a lot, and they, even though they don't wrestle a lot on TV, but when they do wrestle, it's usually a high profile match, usually on pay per view, and that is often like when you're if you're struggling and you're like falling down the table, that is always like the boost that you need to help you get back up the table, but. Talking about Randy Orton, I accidentally said he's in fifth. He's actually sixth overall. But Dave, uh, do you think if Orton had like won the title sooner, when we all thought he would, that he would probably be like much higher in the table than he actually is? Because Orton did seem like a, 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 a he seemed like a smart pick when you picked him. And he did win the title eventually, but then he dropped it back to Drew quite a while after. But so in hindsight, do you regret picking Orton so highly, or do you think it's a case of like? He just didn't win the title when you thought he would. Uh, no, I've got no regrets about picking Randy Orton. I knew he'd be a heavy feature in the in the in this season, and I knew at some point you know he had to win the WWE Championship, which is why I put the captaincy on him. And I do remember in the first week he actually was the highest scorer with 16 points, winning two matches. Uh, so I'd have, I was very optimistic about Randy Orton, but I think the only thing that let me down was uh, not taking the captaincy off him uh, when I probably should have done because you know. He lost the title eventually again. I was hoping he'd hold it past Survivor Series, but uh, I think that proved to be my undoing and not not switching my captaincy was probably the mistake that I made. Mm-hmm. So yeah, he said the top five uh, like newcomers that we usually have, like 
Roman Reigns is considered the top newcomer because it's been a while since he's been part of the season. But the actual for like the for people who are making the kind of debuts as far as the season as a tag team, you know, the Heart Business, 110 uh, points. And then they also got kind of Miz with 41 points to Allen and then Anna J, uh, 34 points for Ryan, and then Damien Peace, another one of Gary's picks. So Gary did very well in terms of newcomers. And mm-hmm. I should point out, we were recording this on Monday. It'll go up on Tuesday. So we haven't seen Raw yet, but I should say, what's this like point is that in case it does happen? Hey lads, how good was it last night on Raw when Charlotte Flair showed up, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, woo! I know, I never thought she'd come up and kick Drew McIntyre in the balls. I mean, oh, I didn't see that coming. <laughs> and one of the other no less amazing stuff. I mean, it's the one belt she's not won yet, you know? Uh, well she's not won the US Intercontinental uh, 24-7 there's a lot she's not won (laughs) but I think is this the first time this has happened somebody's went a pick has went the whole season and scored no points so yeah yep this was the first time nobody scored any like a, a selection's not scored any points whatsoever like every pick in past seasons uh Actually, no. Actually, no, that's not true. I think some team, like some picks have scored zero or even minus points in some Aye, seasons. but they would have earned points at some point during the season. Charlotte didn't gain any. She didn't lose any. She was just zero oh, the just, entire she, time. She was a ghost, basically, yeah. So, yeah, this is the first ghost that we've had all, uh, in the entire history of the draft. Yeah, it was, it was strange like to have somebody who did not score like any points. I mean, we joked about... Uh, and do share, but I think somehow this is worse. And like it's Charlotte Flair, usually a, a hot god. I mean, I I put her as my captain, and I think at the time for good reason. But just on the off chance it was sh- she would show up, I think it proved to be a mistake. And we'll go. I think we shouldn't waste enough time. We'll go up to the top eleven of the season. What the final as we leave season six, number eleven, as he has been for I think majority of the season. 126 points is Grant McRobbie. You know, commiserations to him. He, he did really well, actually, for most of the early part of season of I was like a favourite to win. And then I don't know what's kind of went wrong for, for Grant. I think it looked like things were going to, like, work up and he could actually jump over Derek Allen and get out of relegation. I think it's the fact that Johnny won the North American title and then lost it almost immediately to Leon Ross. And then I believe lost a rematch as well. So those, like, championship losses really harmed him in the last stretch aye Grant McRobbie you know he's had a he's had a bit of a rough time shall we say uh, <laughs> but in all seriousness uh, his tag team pick was the only one of everybody this season to not reach double digits and scores because he picked Hangman Page and Kenny Omega who then split up the week after so he only could only get appearance points from them uh, Alistair Black you know he's been MIA for a good while now and he was Grant's first round pick he just uh Overall, it turned out to be a pretty, pretty poor choice. Overall, Johnny Gargano, he did have, he did switch the captaincy to Gargano, uh, and he won the NXT North American title, but then he lost twice, uh, so that didn't really yeah, contribute to any points either. Candice LeRae, you know, a few good matches against Io Shirai, but unfortunately didn't pick up any big wins. Uh, and meanwhile, Sammy Guevara and Penelope Ford were kind of just there on AEW. Mm-hmm. Nothing really outstanding from their part. So, I mean, Grant's team certainly had potential but unfortunately breakups happened and too many losses occurred for the Gargano family yeah I mean I think timing plays a big factor in this you know 
you know, like hope you pick people on the hope that something like happens, but sometimes things uh, happen unexpectedly. Happen sooner than you think, like a tag team breaking up in the first week of the season. But like, I think we all knew that uh, we all had a feeling that FTR were going to beat Omega and Page. That's why uh, Jack picked them as his tag team. But I think nobody could have expected that they would break up like immediately after the match. So I think like Grant was probably hoping he had a bit longer on that before the inevitable like. A breakup, which is kind of a shame, but I think this does mean Kenny Omega is going to be a big, like, potentially first round singles pick, given that first week of season seven he's got that title match against Moxley. Yeah, I think that's a given. I think it wouldn't surprise me if Omega and Hangman were singles rounds next season, but I really hope like Kenny Omega is considered at least a first or second round draft pick because he is uh, heavily tipped to to beat Moxley. Now, number ten. 141 points. Now, <laughs> let, let's, let, let me break this down for you, dear listener. Going into Survivor Series, I think I was on like 147 points. He was on 138 and a half. I think it was around there. And like, so it wasn't that many points uh, by him. He could easily caught up with a good Seth Rollins performance. And then opening match, like Big E wasn't in the Battle Royal. He did appear later on. But I think a lot of people had him in the suite to win the Battle Royal which uh, didn't end up happening. And so when he, when Biggie didn't appear in the battle, I felt a bit better. And then not only does Seth bring off the whole greater good and kind of sacrifice themselves, which when you think about it, given he's going away, is a decent way to write him out of TV. But not only does he sacrifice himself, he does it when Seamus, who is on my team, who I thought was going to be the first eliminated, he's going to fuck up for me in this 5-on-5 five five match. So Seamus broke kicks Seth Rollins right in the face, along with it, the hopes and dreams of David Campbell. And if you if you slow it down, you can actually pinpoint the moment his heart breaks in half. <laughs> oh my gosh! Like you could not make it up. Like a perfect metaphor for the relegation zone. Scott's team member Seamus literally kicking the goat, David Campbell, Seth Rollins' captain, no less. Uh, into obscurity, into relegation, and I mean, I know we said you know Drew Roman, you know the first two picks this season was a was a story in itself, but this was a a perfect closing chapter for the the relegation battle. This this was outstanding. But to go through Campbell's team, I think he really shot himself in the foot by picking Golden Role Models as his tag team because I mean, I get you know Bailey and Sasha, you were they were big scorers in the last season as singles competitors, and I think he wanted to take away the advantage people would get from it. So I can see why he did it, but I think that was more to try and hinder everyone else rather than benefit himself. Collins, I think, uh, no two ways about it, a very solid pick coming in at 66 points. But uh, his second round pick, Zelina Vega, who was also his initial captain, unfortunately got released a couple of weeks ago. So it's... uh, and And then he almost immediately switched the captain to Seth Rollins. So regular appearances, regular wins, you know, a couple of losses this week, especially one at Survivor Series, you know, I think that un- that was to be his undoing. As for the rest of his team, though, Big E, you know, definitely, definitely a good shout, you know, for a potential singles push. It just didn't quite work out as well as everybody had hoped. And Tommaso Ciampa, still a presence on NXT, but nothing, again, majorly standing out in the sort of main, uh, main event scene. For Champa and Nikki Cross has kind of just also been there trying to get Alexa Bliss back to the good side. Not really many big wins on that front. So it's overall again another another disappointing performance for 
the the man who calls himself the goat. Because I, I remember for much of the season, I kind of regretted picking Seamus in the first place. Because, like, again, like, they were two people I thought of. I think it was around rounds three. I wanted those guys, either of those guys. And then they, they both got picked, like, in the two picks before me. And, like, I was kind of on the spot and I was struggling, like, oh, who, uh, Seamus. I kind of just threw a name out there. And I thought, oh, God, why did I ever pick Seamus? I, I never planned on picking Seamus again. And I still don't. And but the fact it was like he was on my team and he eliminated David Campbell's captain to help save me from relegation. Though, like you said, it is a kind of a storybook finish for me. And it's like the, it was like the scene at 300 where Gerard Butler's character just boots that guy into that large hole. I've never seen the film. I just know that moment. Uh, I, I finished on 155 and a half points. I avoided relegation, but you know, again. As a former winner, this is not where I wanted to be. And so I've got a lot of thinking to do before the the selection show. One thing I think I have learned is stop picking people in the TNT title scene. Because that's two seasons in a <laughs> row. First Lance Archer and then, well, yeah, Brody Lee had a couple of title defences, but then he lost. And then, then he got injured and then didn't appear, I think, after the, the Cody loss, which came like right in the, right at the midpoint, I think, of the season. So... I mean, Shida helped pick up some of this slack, but she fell short of the top ten overall. And well, I, yeah, I think I need more balance. And I, I know David Campbell hate the fact we're talking about balance, but like, for instance, I had nobody from NXT. I think I could have done with like one or two NXT picks potentially. I think, I think the TNT bit could be could be cost you maybe right. Also, we're going to we will probably see the return of. Cody Rhodes next season we don't know what that will bring we've also got Darby Allens a new TNT champion it's you've, you've been grief stricken in the past the TNT championships I, I hope it's not come to you once again next season I wouldn't want that in any of my STL boys <laughs> thank you uh, we jump up quite a bit I think thanks to AJ Sales' performance uh, 8th place 189 and a half Stephen Wilson uh, we have Gary Kernan, 199 and a half in seventh place. Ryan uh, went down to sixth place, 216 and a half points. Still a, a strong number. Like, like a lot down to like, like the Roman Reigns, uh, who's now like I said number one overall in the season. Allen, uh, I thought would have finished kind of. He, he was around the fourth place mark for a wee while, but I think that Asuka loss has brought him down to fifth, 224 and a half points. Ross, yeah, let's ask a. Asuka was you know, top of the table for quite a while now, scored him 109 points. She finishes third overall in the top 10. But this is the story with Alan's team. You know, he just seems to have one person just carrying it and then a couple just uh, supporting while the rest are just knocked into obscurity. Because, I mean, the Young Bucks winning the titles was a big, a big win for him, defeating FTR. And switching the captaincy to Miz as well was a smart move, uh, given that he just won the Money in the Bank contract and he did get a big win at Survivor Series in that dual-branded Battle Royal. But looking at the rest of his team, though, specifically two names in particular, Dakota Kai and Jeff Hardy. You know, I think at one point, you know, they were both on zero because not only did they gain points, but they also lost them as well. So they were on pretty low uh, points. Dakota Kai was his second pick as well, and it's proved to be a bit of a, a bit of a letdown. The only other uh, pick he had was Angel Garza, came in at 14 and a half points, who after SummerSlam was, uh, I believe he suffered an injury as a result and has sort of been reduced to 
uh, appearing every now and again in segments on Raw. He's never had like uh, a definitive match win. So Angel Garza, even though he was a big scorer last season, uh, didn't come through this time around, and that's what's brought Allen down. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about this with Allen when he appeared on the show, uh, about how his team kind of gets carried by one pick. Uh, Ross, I think, mainly due to the fact he had two out of the five members of Team Raw on his team, and then he had Shayna Baszler uh, on his team as well. Jumped up to fourth place at 227. Uh, can, we talk, can we talk about Ross for a minute? Because for the majority of the season, last time we actually did a Saturday Draft Live conversation, he was down in seventh. One mm-hmm. really good show at Survivor Series, and he's and he's put himself up into fourth. Like this, this goes to show you know Ross can sometimes pull it out the bag uh, and finish strongly because you know he's had Keith Lee as his captain the entire season. He comes in at seventy eight points. But he's been heavily supported with a good, uh, well-balanced team. Because Shayna Baszler getting 49 points. Even though she was eliminated, she still gets points for Team Raw's women winning overall. And supporting him with the, the Lucha Brothers. Uh, Matt Riddle as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Brandy Rhodes as well, scoring all between 25 and 32 points. So Brandy Rhodes has actually done him bits this season when he, she basically let Ryan down quite a lot in the last season. Timothy Thatcher... You know, his low score was 15 points, but you know what? There's been there have been worse uh, low scoring picks this season. So overall, Ross has actually done very, very well. Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a surprising to me that Ross has, hasn't actually won a season yet. Because especially the last couple of seasons, he's been a heavy like favorite. I remember season five, he was around always the like top four. He came very close to like catching up to me and Mali uh, in season four, but it's the fact that Dakota Kai didn't win that and working ten. Let him down, uh, but I, I still think Ross should never really be, be counted out when it comes to the draft. Because me and him were even talking about that uh, a disastrous performance for both Raw teams at the Varuses would still put him at risk. I think of relegation. I think at least he thought so. But then again, it kind of got the opposite work out, put him up into the top five, which is I think a strong finish for him. David, you also had some good representation at the Varuses, which helped you. Uh, mm-hmm. Two hundred and thirty points you finished on. With uh, Braun Strowman and Nia Jax being your two main like supporters for the last stretch, both getting the eliminations for Team Raw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really very pleased with uh, how my teams turned out, like, and I'm happy to be finishing third place. You know, it makes up for you know the last couple of seasons where you know I was finishing either in the middle or the bottom half. So it's Randy Orton again. Like I said, no regrets about picking him. I knew he would become WWE champion at some point, but the mistake I made was not switching my captaincy because. If I had switched it to maybe either Braun Strowman or Nia Jax, it might have bumped me up the table a little bit further. Uh, and in hindsight, I think Braun Strowman would have made the most sense, given that you know he survived and won on the Raw men's team. Plus, he had a, a hell of a ton of appearances uh, on Raw lately. But what really helped me uh, get back up the table was Braun Strowman's multiple victories on the now defunct Raw Underground. So he was the one to topple Dabakato. He got multiple wins on that front. And... You know, being supported with the likes of Best Friends who had beaten the Inner Circle in that parking lot brawl match. Uh, Shotzi Blackheart getting a lot of representation on NXT Halloween Havoc. And then Apollo Crews, you know, maybe I was a bit... I was a bit... uh, A bit uh, hasty in picking Apollo Crews first, but he still racked up a decent 14 points. So overall, I'm I'm very pleased with how that turned out. Yeah, because like, I think especially with Strowman, there was a lot of uncertainty about Strowman coming out of the season because 
he just dropped the universal title. We knew he wasn't going to win at payback, even though that wasn't part of the season. But then early on the season, like almost right before Clash of Champions, he had a title shot against Roman. He lost. And like at first, it didn't seem like we didn't know what he was going to do. But then he suddenly pops up in Raw Underground, and then uh, especially the last few weeks, we constantly appearing and being in tag matches alongside the other members of Team Raw. You got a strong finish with him, especially the last couple of weeks, and then Nia and Shayna having a dominant run so far as women's tag champs. Daniel Campbell, like fair play to him, we had we've had him on before at SDL Fifty. He had a strong team. We talked about John Moxley, the Street Profits got a win last uh, the other night at Survivor Series. I think there's a chance that I think if Kevin Owens, like if they didn't do the, the whole clean sweep with the Raw Men's team. And Kevin Owens, I think, got at least one elimination for uh, for Team SmackDown. That might have been enough to just edge him over edge over uh, Jack because he said that Kevin Owens and Street Profits were his main representation for Survivor Series. But I think he just fell short. Yeah, fair dues, like Tom Oxley is proven to be a strong pick because like retentions over MJF, two over Eddie Kingston, and one over like Lance Archer. Eight. Again, multiple big championship points, but he got 240 points. But with 241 points, Mr. Jack Graham, despite his captain losing to Rowan Reigns, he manages to hold on to that lead and is your new draft champion. Jack, how, how are you feeling? Even when I lose, I still win. It's, <laughs> it's what I do. But let's let's the table again. Grant. His, his criteria over all oh, I drafted team from last season, he just wanted to draft the same folk again. To that, I say, draft better and draft smarter, idiot. David Campbell, uh, golden role models to be selfless and make the draft more entertaining. Think more about yourself and don't be a pie. Scott, absolute fantastic showing, my friend. Well done and not getting relegated. Stephen Wilson, uh, not, not, not much to say about his team, really. You know, AJ Styles did all right. Uh, who, who did he draft? Was it like Otis? Did he take Otis? Otis? Yep, he got Otis, yep. Otis, yeah, pie. Viking Raiders, yeah, pie. <laughs> uh, fair enough. It could, like, what couldn't matter? What of the, the injury is what it is, but it doesn't matter. That's by the by. Gary, absolute stroke of genius drafting the heart business, but when you draft Mandy Rose, you don't deserve to win from first position. Ryan Gallagher, <laughs> you're drafted from first position, but you did not deserve to win when you drafted Breeze Angle and Charlotte Flair. Alan, Fulfilled my expectations, to be fair. It was a straight-up mid-card table for me, and he got that. Ross McLeod, actually, I thought I did say Scott, to be fair, because Scott did draft your team in the draft show, because you never bought a ton-up, so really, Scott finished fourth. Dave, fantastic <laughs> showing, coming in third in the top three. Absolutely sold it. And Daniel, you shot yourself in the foot, not putting your cap in the street profits, and that is why I'm the champ. Yep, and that, that's, uh, I think that's a point that needs to be hammered home, because... If Daniel had switched his captaincy to the Street Profits last week, he would have won this season. I mean, that's, how close, that's how close it was. I mean, you're too like we talked a lot about FTR and Drew Mantar. They were two of your strongest like performances because, like you said, you put the captaincy on FTR through like the brush of greatness and multiple like big matches on Dynamite, and that was a, a good move. Then you put the on Drew Mantar, and then that paid dividends when he won the title back. I mean, Rhea Ripley didn't have the strongest finish this week when she didn't win the, the title back, but you can see what you're kind of going for with her. Adam Cole, again, like, he made all, quite a few appearances but wasn't as strong as he was in previous seasons. MJF, even despite losing to Moxley, still appeared regularly in segments with Jericho, got the win over Jericho. 
So, you know, he's still like like filled his weight. And then like your worst pick is Mickey James and well, I don't think we want to talk a lot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean I can draft what the Mickey James still in though, so <laughs> I don't mind talking about it. Great values at five or seven points. If I never had those seven points, I wouldn't have won. So yep. thank you, Mickey James. Yeah, and you know what? That actually makes Drew McIntyre and Adam Cole again uh, draft winners themselves because they've both been on a winning team previously. My team from season three, the infamous team Knack Queen Cole. But I think we've got to do, you know, that um, that Hall of Fame rundown, you know, for like they do at the end of Pokemon Indigo League when you finish up on the Game Boy. So just a big shout out to draft. Jack's winning team we have Captain Drew McIntyre Rhea Ripley Adam Cole MJF Mickey James and his tag team FTR so I mean Jack what more needs to be said you did a you did a strong game you played your captaincy very well having FTR take the first half and then switching it to Drew in the second half despite losing the WWE Championship at Hell in a Cell he brought it back and had but continued to maintain regular wins regular appearances on Raw and that just gradually pushed you closer and closer towards the top I quite frankly deserve this victory to be <laughs> honest I've been the most uh, I've been the utmost honest I've been the most humble I've been the most respectful during <laughs> all this uh, if, if there was anyone more deserving please let me know but I, I really don't think there was I think that it's it was, it's fitting that the last of the remaining SDL boys was to win season 6 of the draft and have a former SDL host, and he's not one of the SDL boys, he never will be an SDL boy, uh, in Purgatory. I, I, I can't think of a better story. I, yeah. I just can't. And you know what? It's, it's, not, uh, it's not, a bad, uh, not a bad finish for Daniel either, because he certainly gave you a good run for your, for your money. But he doesn't walk away empty-handed, though, because as you said, uh, we did the... Survivor Series sweepstakes uh, as a tag team, me and him, and we walked away as co-ESSR champions. So, not a bad, uh, not a bad weekend for Daniel. Well, he misses out in the draft, but he also earns his first, might I add, uh, ESSR championship. How very fitting, you know. We, me and Daniel joined this podcast a year ago. Now look at it a year later. We were top, top two in the draft. Just by a point was a difference. He goes on and wins the ESSR title and now I can use my opportunity to cash in on him if he wins the, the undisputed championship off you, Dave. Mm-hmm. It could all be very poetic for Jack, but it won't happen anyway because yeah. you will be the champ after TLC and I'm not cashing in on you, my friend. Uh, that's, I appreciate you, Jack. But remember, though, it's um, the, the next pay-per-view after TLC will probably be the Royal Rumble and that's when the end of the season happens. So... If uh, I think if uh, a certain goat has anything to say about it, he'll be leading a campaign to make sure you cash in your shot against me uh, when I walk away from TLC as the undisputed ESSR champion. He should just uh, keep his focus on that spare change that Ted and just keep out of our business, to be honest. We, should, yeah, we, should, we shouldn't let anybody try and get him interfere with the SDL boys because really, what, what does it matter if, if Jack cashes it on day? Because either way, it stays within the three of us. And I consider that a win for us. And I should point out, Dave, uh, Adam Cole, I think this is the third time Adam Cole's been part of a championship winning team because I'm pretty sure he was on my team in season four. So there you go. All three of us have won with Adam Cole on our I team. Stand, I stand corrected, Scott. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There you go. Potentially Adam Cole is, is the good luck chairman. I think he'll be a, a more prevalent like first or second round pick 
given mm. that you know he is leading the undisputed era into war games. War yeah. games. The end of the first week of the season. Yeah. Adam Cole. Yeah, that's going to be absolutely huge. By the way, war games. So you you can instantly pack up all undisputed era will be gone. Uh, Birch and Lockin will be gone. Pete Dunne will be gone. Uh, Pat McAfee will be gone. They're all eight of them are going to be such valuable picks mm-hmm. for next season. Even even if when one of the teams loses at war games. They're still going to be heavily featured on NXT after that. So, again, any of them, I think, will be an absolute steal. Come on, kick off show. Let's not, uh, let's not take anything away from NXT's women's division either because, as we've said multiple times, it is one of the hottest commodities in the wrestling business today. And you've got another war games happening between uh, Shotzi Blackheart and her team versus Candice LeRae's team as well. So you'll have a total of eight women to choose from too who could definitely be strong features in the women's division going forward. Something that I find interesting about Undisputed Era is I have a feeling that eventually Lorcan and Birch will lose to Undisputed Era, like the tag tails to Undisputed Era. But I'm wondering if you're going to draft Undisputed Era as a tag team, who do you, what combination do we do? Because, like, I'm pretty fishing sure. Rod. I was going to say, rumours are I think Fishing Rod is going to be the tag team going for, forward. Uh, so I think that's people's like best bet. Because, like, who was it that had them <laughs> as a tag team in season five, but then created them out in the transfer was it Daniel or I think it was Daniel yeah yeah because I think because at that time at the start of the pandemic like Kyle O'Reilly like wasn't around for a while and so it, it seemed like a good idea then I think it seems like a better idea now so there you go there's a hot tip from Sad Draft Life Fishing Rod is a potential top tag team Yep, and you know that's the one thing I can thank the COVID era for in wrestling so you could say that Fishing Rod is real I think NXT will have a will be a big thing for next season because also we got a takeover within the first week, so some potential like big points, especially for like, the war games. There could be potential like, implications regarding the tag team titles coming out of, of that. And something I want to bring over, going over to the other Wednesday night show is AEW, and like AEW Dynamite, like I think there's no problem. But there's been a debate within the group chat about AEW Dark. Like some people are arguing that we should drop AEW Dark uh, from consideration. I want to get your guys' kind of thoughts on this because I think, given that AEW has such a vast like roster, I like I even though one of them is is clearly like lower in priority given it's on YouTube. I think given it's this, it's I think it's still like another brand and a show for AEW, and I think given that they can't fit everybody on Dynamite. And like, if you got somebody racking up wins on dark, it could be like that. That what like somebody who's struggling in the middle of the table could need to help keep them in contention. But I'm interested to see what you guys think. Do you think that either next season or at some point going forward, uh, dark should be uh, should be dropped? I think for me, I don't. I wouldn't have dark involved in this uh, draft going forward. Uh, folk, we, we know it's very, very few people. Like we're not, no one's drafting specifically from those that partake in dark. Obviously, you did for Sean Spears, hoping that. But we all draft from dynamite, and it's just potluck if we get it on dark or not. We hardly see any points getters from that anyway. And when you think about it, it's the the main brands we usually consider for this draft. You got Raw, SmackDown, NXT is a main brand, and AEW. Dark to me is the same level as 205 Live. I'd even argue that NXT UK should be involved as well. That's something that I don't think is big enough and should be counted for. Uh, maybe this season, MX, there's no takeover coming up, but 
yeah, that's my thoughts. The dark, dark shouldn't be involved, especially with it just being an internet show. If we're having dark, we should have two or five live. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That makes you wonder if you we should include two or five live as well. But uh, to be honest, I'm a bit up in the air at the minute because. Obviously, you know, WWE's got Raw, SmackDown, and NXT, so that's three different brands. Whereas AEW Dark, you know, just to accommodate the fact that it has such a large roster, it does make sense that it, you know, it could be counted. But, but again, that argument comes back that, that it's basically a YouTube show. They don't have the time slots to fill in uh, Dark onto, onto TV time. So it's a, it's a bit of a tricky one, but we've always uh, counted AEW Dark when uh, AEW became a thing as part of our part of our draft so i mean and nxt uk has been a part of it too so i mean just mm-hmm. to to drop it I, I can see why you would you would do it but i don't know I, I'm, I'm indifferent on it if i'm being honest i think the only real time nxt uk really was a much benefit was for like alan season three when he had like gallus and keely rio as part of his, his team other than that i don't think it's really made much impact but Regards to dark, I especially think next season of all things is a thing where it should be included because the next AEW pay per view won't be until like mid February, mm-hmm. so that won't be till season eight. And so, if you want to like, like gain some points from like AEW, then your best bet is probably to go from if you can't get Kenny Omega or John Moxley, your best bet is to get somebody who will more than likely appear on dark. And like, yeah, Sean Spears, he appeared it for ages on dark much season five which is why I picked him and then he, he barely even was on uh, on Dark and so I think I was trying to capitalise on what he'd done previously, I was looking backwards instead of forwards and I think at hindsight I definitely should have picked bloody Ricky Stark too, it wasn't I did have him on my list of potential picks and if I had buddy Ricky Starks this season seemed to take over Sean Spears' role as of the king of AEW Dark, he was on it almost every week when they were showing their lineup of matches Ricky Stark's face was popping up for a bit and Rubbing it in the fact that you could have picked them, you could have picked them. Look, let's, let's just be real. No one's going to go out and draft Lee Johnson, Aaron Solo as their tag team, are they? No one's going to draft Braden Cutler. No one's going to draft, I don't know, I don't know Peter so. Avalon or whatever his name is, you know. Like, what's, what's the point? They're, they're just there. Yeah, I get what you're saying. I think there's a discussion what like, worth having because we. It's the very kind of opinion in the good I think David Campbell, you know, he's always got an opinion. And I think he heavily like is not really in favour of think he, he he even compared it to like main event and debate and we don't count that and like rightfully so. But I think this is kinda of different. I think this is more kind of something of a Sunday night heat kind of thing for AEW than uh, than main event. I thought I'd, I'd throw that in there. But we'll we will look ahead to see some we'll, we'll gonna talk about some potential uh, that people should maybe have their eye out for and coming the next season we're doing a draft lighting show later on this week uh, but first Jack uh, even though we're proud that you're the winner this also means that while everybody else's draft positioning will be determined at random when they have to spin the wheel and make a deal you will be drafting from last place and like how are you feeling about that potential strategy you basically got to take the top 10 Singles picks that you won for round one, and then take them out of consideration because they'll all probably be gone by the time they get to you. Ah, uh, that's that's what I was drafting to win. I'm drafting to absolutely meme this season and just be an absolute shit house. 
I've won this. You know what I mean? I've achieved what I needed to in the draft. I'm just here to have fun and I will be making uh, draft choices that will annoy folk, that will make folk laugh, that will make folk cry and will make folk happy. I'm here to please everyone. That's exactly what I'll do. But you're right that I probably do need to think what folks second and third round picks considering there's going to be spoiler there's going to be an increased amount of people next season not 11 there's going to be more than that uh, I need to be thinking whatever their second and third round picks will need to be my first round and second round so it's going to be it's going to be tough in that regard but I definitely have a few tricks up my sleeve for what I want to do I would be wary though Jack because me and David can attest to the fact that sometimes, for whatever reason, after you've won a season, for the next season or so afterwards, somehow like you get a weird string of kind of bad luck. Like you go from winning a draft by a large mar- by a large margin, and then two seasons later, you're basically hanging on, hoping for someone like Seamus to keep you away from relegation, or the guy who, who you named your team after, uh, you have to end up transferring halfway through the season. Uh, so please don't bring that up. But you know what? I redeemed myself in that season, so let's hear pitched out. <laughs> Ooh, I think okay. I guess I guess uh, I guess that is something we need to watch out for. Obviously, Stephen won last season. He's finished eighth. Not the greatest of positions to finish either. But uh, yeah, well, it'll be it'll be interesting. I don't want to give the the game away just yet, but I have I do have some plans in store of who I want. Of who I want to take. Oh, oh well, nah, well, I'll say one. Well, nah, nah, I won't. All right. I was, actually, if I was to go for one that I want as an absolute certainty, I think it's going to be Big E. Mm. Really? Yeah. I think you can, you can see where you come from. A lot of rumours about Big E kind of getting a big push, potential Rumble winner, if you believe, like some people online. And I think that's the thing you need to think about with this draft, especially with your top like singles picks, is that who do you see realistically potentially going on and winning the rumble? Because Dave, as somebody who had like both rumble winners on your team in season three, like mm-hmm. I think it's like this, this, you know the more than anybody how like the Royal Rumble win the points you can get from that can really help you at the last point of the season. Oh, this this season, this coming season is mine to win because last year. For the this time last year, where we had the Royal Rumble as our closing stretch, I won in decisive fashion. You know, I had being the proud Scotsman that I am. I had Drew McIntyre <laughs> representing a full nation uh, and carrying my team to victory there. And I had on the women's side, I had people bowing down to me as Charlotte Flair, the Queen, walks away with the Royal Rumble win. So. Here's hoping I can pick at least uh, another Royal Rumble winner this time around. I'm probably not going to get both, but. Hey, well, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it's a lot of what people also have to remember when they're making selections is this will be, uh, we do obviously our season run between Big Four pay per view to Big Four pay per view. Being this from the Survivor after the week after Survivor Series to the Rumble, this will be our shortest season of all of them. So you need a well structured team. You can't just be resting on, well, this guy gets the odd appearance point here and there. You need like a strong team from top to bottom, I think, coming into this. Uh, I think uh, another pick as well that was in my team this season and obviously we've spoke about her briefly just before but Rhea Ripley is someone that is supposedly bowed out of 
NXT and is set to appear in the main roster imminently, be it Raw or SmackDown, we're not sure yet, but you can imagine whatever shows she's going to be on, she's going to be quite a force to be reckoned with, especially just at this, with this being such a short season, a few weeks of victories could just make all the difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think we should also mention that what's interesting about the randomness of like selecting people's draft position is that the uh, David Campbell and Graham McRobbie, despite being a relegation, despite the fact that going forward, and for season seven, our episodes may like be a bit longer because like we've got different, we've got one basically sheet to look at everybody else's who that's competing in the season, and then we'll have a separate look at their one on one and purgatory separately. So while they're, they're facing each other separately from everybody else, they will still be drafting with everybody else. So even though the fact they're both uh, fighting for the number one position in season eight, given the randomness of the wheel, one of them could get the advantage by getting an early like position to draft from. So you're like, mm-hmm. we never actually know what could happen with that wheel. Yeah, and Grant's drafted from first before, and I believe he finished third in season five. So it's uh, that number one draft spot can make all the difference. Unfortunately for, for Ryan this season, he absolutely made a, made a horse's arse of it. And, also, and Grant also like, drafted from third this season. So I think we have said in the past that drafting... Uh, in an early position doesn't always guarantee uh, success but it, it just depends on who like, you get uh, but looking at again like I said into season the seven I'll like, go around like talk about Jack's giving us one or two people like some potential picks maybe some picks maybe people haven't thought about that they should maybe consider we already mentioned like the heart business and for fishing rod in terms of tag teams but I think somebody who I think should be well, if not if not first round, then definitely he can't be stick around further that longer than the second round, given he just made, recently made his return. I think Pack could be a valuable mm. uh, pick. Cause, like, I remember like going in in the last couple of weeks of season four, I had my eye on Pack as a potential first round pick for season five because he just formed Death Triangle with the Lucha Brothers, and then right before season five started, he obviously had to stay in the UK because of. The pandemic couldn't travel overseas and all that, which completely scarpered that. But I definitely think now that he's back, much like Roman Reigns, he is a valuable pick now that he's back in the fold. It looks like the Death Triangle's back as too, because he appears to have realigned with the Lucha Brothers too, which makes them uh, a strong pick for a tag team next season. Definitely. So, like, Lucha Brothers are still a valuable uh, team. They did work well, even though they weren't the highest scoring tag team. They were still a, a strong team. Uh, also, talking about Eddie Kingston, he had a hell of a run the last couple of months, even though he was undrafted. Do you think, even though, now that he's in this feud with, with Packing, do you think Eddie Kingston is a potential shout uh, for a pick in Season 7? And if so, how high do you think Eddie Kingston could get drafted from? I think at highest, he'd probably be round three, because we've seen a lot of, you know, big scorers this season and in places you know we never even considered you know for example like the heart business i'd be surprised if all four members of the heart business uh were not picked you know whether they be as a tag team or singles competitors so i wouldn't leave anybody uh behind from the heart business of all things but eddie kingston going back to eddie kingston uh definitely i would have him as a singles pick but i'd maybe save him sort of maybe third third round maybe Mm-hmm. I don't think given now that he's not in the, the world title feud with 
Moxley. I think he's now either a second or third round pick. I still think he, he could have something, even though I don't see him kind of getting the best of this uh, feud with him, Butcher and Blade against uh, the Death Triangle. Uh, I think Eddie Kingston's a tough one. I don't know if I'd want him on my team. And I want it always up. The way he was booked for this season, I think it was an absolute miss by anyone not to take him. But do I see his family beating Death Triangle, whatever kind of match they're going to have planned in the future? No, I don't. I don't know if it's. Third, I think third's ambitious. I think if you need to scrape for the bottom of the barrel, we take him in the fifth round. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know really where, where it goes like, right from here, but I do think, like, I do think it was kind of weird. I do think it was kind of a shame that he went undrafted, given that he had a hell of a run in season, in season six, even though he was undrafted. And, like, really good people who are undrafted, like Sean Benjamin had a hell of a run, even though Gary was very flippant and said he didn't want Shelton Benjamin, but I'm pretty sure somebody will try and snap up Shelton Benjamin next season. Shelton Benjamin was the highest scoring undrafted uh, competitor this season. There you go. I think you've got to take anyone from any faction now. I think that's what this season's kind of proved because that's become more of a focal point in wrestling these days to kind of back to how it was that you're getting fashion obviously you're on the speed area you've got the brand you've got the family you've got death triangle you've got a hard business like you're going to be i think you're going to be a bit foolish not to take someone from a faction now considering how often they are appearing heck could draft someone for regnan uh, from regnan for retribution i wouldn't draft <laughs> regnan but you could draft someone for retribution and it could do you well, maybe not a top round pick, but see you get four or fifth round, you're able to get double figure points out of it. You wouldn't be complaining. I mean, whoever gets the the number one pick, if, if they don't draft slapjacks first, I mean they're just a sheet bag, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but I get you saying, talk about factions, given that the inner circle have now going to the storyline now that they've added MJF and Wardlow. Uh, I think looking over at AEW and it looks like they're going to continue the storyline for the next uh, month or so. Do you guys think that, uh, given that like, all of the Undisputed Era, all of uh, Hurt Business and like, the Death Triangle look like valuable picks, do you think there's a chance we can see the majority, at least, of the, heart, of the Inner Circle getting snapped up? I think so, 100%. I think MGF and Chris Jericho will be an absolute certainty. Uh, I think your likes are Wardlow, Sammy Guevara, uh, Jake Hager could potentially be third or fourth round picks as well. Uh, would be surprised if Santana and Ortiz don't get drafted as a tag team pick. It's, I think Inner Circle's a, a very good show for folk that are needing to draft someone for a Wednesday night. I, I like definitely save them for at least fourth or fifth round. You know, if they if they still remain undrafted, because those guys could rack up some serious points. Yeah, because I know we talked about Sammy Robbie, like Sammy Guevara wasn't his best score, but I think Sammy could have a lot more to do now as part of the storyline. Like he's one of the guys who doesn't trust MJF. And then they did that whole Vegas thing where Sammy woke up to find out he got married three times. So, like, <laughs> God knows where that's going. But you guys got any more, like, considerations for it for season seven before we wrap things up here? Uh, you know what? Do your research. That's my uh, that's my phrase. Like, do your research. Find out 
who's scoring big points, who's going to be on TV regularly, who's good, who do you think is going to win the Royal Rumble? That's how you prioritize your selection process. Because remember, this series runs from Survivor Series to the Royal Rumble. There'll be two pay-per-views in there or thereabouts. It'll be a short season. So just think about the Royal Rumble. That's my advice. I just want to go back to our business for just a brief second. You think that, uh, that like, I know, like, I think we said about how good the heart business did as a tag team. Do you think that, do you think that Guy potentially missed out on some big points now without uh, Bobby Lashley as a singles pick? Do you think we could just see, like, Shelton and Cedric be drafted as a tag team and then Lashley and then be drafted singles picks? Because, you know, we don't, I don't see Lashley losing that US title anytime soon and some US title defences could still bring you big points if Lashley's a singles pick. It's an interesting one. I feel that Bobby Lashley was someone that we all wanted to have as a singles pick and it would have proved dividends in any team, but it's proved dividends as a tag team as well. It will probably prove dividends next season as a tag team. It will prove dividends as a singles competitor next season as well. The same is going to be said for MVP, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander. So getting any of them for in any capacity, you're on a winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just a shame that Bobby Lashley was doing fuck all or was like so uninteresting at the start of season five. Because given where he ended up by the end of their being partnered with the MEP and getting him put into a main event program with Joe McIntyre, he would have been a hell of a pick back in season five. I think he did get picked after the transfer window. But, you know, I think Bobby Lashley, I think anybody, his stock has really went up the last couple of seasons, you know, going from that never ending storyline we all hated with Rusev to now, like, the art business being, like, one of the best parts of Raw. Mind the good, good old glory days of the Raw report and me and Ross were wanting uh, Bobby Lashley to beat Drew McIntyre for the belt. <laughs> yeah, and you, you, Ross said he wanted MVP and Lashley and it came true, much like the prophecy of SDL came true. Now that all <laughs> of us are our draft season winners and we look forward to seeing what happens at the draft selection show, like we said, some people will not be with us in next season. We'll have some new people in of a, a, a new lineup, some new people coming in, a larger lineup uh, for the selection show. But we'll, have, we'll explain all of that later in the week with our draft selection show, which uh, you can catch on all good Android points. It's much like this episode and all past episodes of Saturday Draft Live, as well as regular feature shows like last week's Alexa Bliss show and our ESS Essential shows come out every Thursday covering all the latest news and goings on and re- recapping the weekly TV so we don't need to do singular shows like anyway back to the wrestling and raw report on all good and fucking say like I said like Anchor, Spotify and iTunes and make sure you keep up with us on social media so you know about everything that's going on here uh, at Suplex with Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and you make sure you check out our, fa- our Twitter make sure you check out our YouTube channel Quiz Showdown 5 the quiz powers explode just went up uh, this past weekend. Uh, you can see me hosting with Jack and David along with Grant Robbie trying to challenge current champion Ross McLeod, see how they got on. And we're preparing for Quiz Showdown 6 towards the end of December. And this coming Friday, uh, the second match in the first round of our Book It tournament, we'll see our very own David Hockney square off against Ryan Gallagher. If he saw a uh, my match against Drac with Hulk Contessa. Just wait till you see this match between David and Ryan. Am I right? Oh, gosh. I was sweating after that because it was the... 
I think I did a pretty damn good job with my card selection. But that's all I'll say on that front. Uh, I can't, can't wait for everybody to see it. Like I said, we're producing a lot of content on our YouTube channel. We, uh, we are planning on doing both video and audio versions of the Draft Legends show like we did for Season 6. So on Saturday, you can get both an audio version and a video version. So if you want to actually see everybody's reaction to potential first-round picks that they want to get taken after them and, and all the temper tantrums and such that come with it, then you can feel free to head over to our YouTube channel. If you just want to hear our lovely voices, everybody shouting and bawling at each other, then remember, check out all the Android podcasts and seats that I mentioned just then. But I just want to say that it's after Survivor Series, and I think this now marks one year of Saturday Draft Live. Me and David Campbell did our first episode shortly after Survivor Series 2019 with the kickoff of Season 3 where we recap all the selections that got made uh, for season three, back when we used to do the selections in private, and we were only throwing language at each other in the group chats and not making a public spectacle of ourselves, which we did from season four onwards. And it's been a year we went from a show on Patreon to one of the big shows on Easter to be moved to the main feed. And now this week, we are, we've been made the feature show this week. And I can say, as a, somebody who's been here, for not every episode, there was that one week I, I did miss, but I have been here like from since the beginning of this show, and I can say I am proud to still be here a year later with you two beautiful lads. All of us here are draft winners. It's excellent stuff, you know, we can't ask for much more. Mm-hmm. We are the main event, we are Eat Sleep Simplex Retweet. We are Saturday Draft Live, we're all draft champions, and we're better than you. <laughs> and you know it and we'll see you for the selection show <laughs>